This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Why, thank you, and good morning, Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> and to you, too, Franklin Proctor. Somebody called you Francis. Your yeah, I know. But I know. you're Franklin, I think it's right? Referred to, we'll get to that in yes. an email here. In an email. Yeah. What does your birth certificate say? Franklin. It does. Franklin David. Franklin David. I thought if Ooh. I ever became a newsman, that'd be a great news. Franklin David with the news, you know. Very good. And it works. Chet. <laughs> David Brinkley. David Brinkley <laughs> and Chet Hunley. <laughs> anyway, uh, golly, this is the Garden Show. It is. Yes. So let me give the phone numbers because we're looking for questions from our, our listeners. Uh-huh. And I... I Presuming a lot, I suppose, but there are, there are people tuned in right now. Oh, sipping I their hope coffee. so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Long distance line is open. It's free. One eight six six seven forty four seven forty, and anywhere else. Well, yeah, four one six three six zero. 0740, our local line. Right. But, you know, it's interesting because so few of us have landlines any longer. And cell phones, they sell yeah, providers, yeah. just give us free long distance yeah. anywhere in Canada. Yep. So, in a sense, we probably don't need these 800 numbers so much. That's quite true. Anymore. Hey, so how's your week been? Hey, you know, uh, I guess I'm like most folks. I'm a little discombobulated. Still. Uh, yeah, yesterday was a wonderful reprieve to summer. Uh-huh. We sat out on the deck there, enjoyed the warmth. Uh, but and then, of course, uh, you look ahead. Yeah, oh, what a big change, huh? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, I guess it's it's the unknowing yeah. uh, factor. that You don't know where the heck this, this thing is heading or not. Right. And uh, you just feel a little uneasy. You and know, and a little lonely, I think, too. Mm-hmm. There's a loneliness factor, well, I think. Yeah. For people that live alone, they're oh. spending uh, you know more time alone. And you and Shirley are fairly isolated. Well, we're fa- yeah, we're fairly in the middle of a forest. So, you know, <laughs> hey. And you're <laughs> pretty social creatures, the two of yeah. you. Yeah. So uh, that's getting to be a bit buggy because we, we love to go. To musical yeah. events and stuff like that can't do that not anymore. And but, and it, and it's interesting because like my brother and sister in law who yeah. live in East York downtown East York in Toronto, they are um, it, like I keep showing up on Friday nights because yeah. I spend the night there yeah. before coming here to do the show. And yesterday I was like, you know, like are you guys okay with me coming here? <laughs> yeah, because- and both of them individually because I asked them separately individually they said. We are so bored with each other. You, you are, you are like a breath of fresh air. Like, like we have nobody to talk yeah. to, nowhere to go. Yeah. And they're right downtown Toronto. Like, it's not like they're not surrounded by lots of people. Yeah. yeah. But those aren't their peeps, right? <laughs> and so it's so cute. It's like, oh no, we really like that you come and visit. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling better right, about whoa. this. Yeah. It takes a little out of my mind. Then. I was yeah. just feeling so guilty. Oh, right? that's funny. Uh, listen, you were just online yeah. and noticed something really interesting. I think you should well, let the folks know about it. Yeah, and I think it's important that, you know, all the Hort Societies, every, you know, 
it's the pivot, right? Yeah. Whether you're a restaurant pivoting to stay in business or you're a Hort Society pivoting to keep your members engaged yeah. and keep your society active and, and, you know, maintain your educational and entertaining uh, sort of um, mantra that so many of the Hort Societies have. So just a, a quick note for uh, all online. So from anywhere in the world, you can join. The Horticultural Societies of Parkdale and Toronto uh, this Monday. They are having an online meeting at 7.30 p.m. It's called Project Swallowtail Rewilding West Toronto, mm. which is pretty interesting if you're interested in literally just that, getting away from all the, so much cultivated space and mm. allowing nature to be a little more dominant. Now, of course, if you're a member of this uh, society, right away you're going to get a link via email. But if you're not a member and you are interested in You're welcome joining. to join. Yeah. You are welcome to join, but you have to send an email to newsletter, so one word, newsletter, at Parkdale Toronto Hort, H-O-R-T, one word, ParkdaleTorontoHort.com, and just say, hey, I, I want to join your meeting, and maybe you want to join the society. It's not expensive. Oh, that's good. It's, it's like $10 a year to be yeah. a Hort Society oh. member. And they are a ton of fun, these people. Oh, that's great. And okay. particularly if you're lonely, right? Oh, speaking of ton of fun. Well, you need people yeah. need to get out Can there. Can I just say hi to Janet out there in the Omimi area? Oh, yes. Who confirmed via mm. email mm. that, yes, indeed, Neil Young, his hometown is Omimi. Yes, even As though all the web presence says Toronto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for that. But we track it down. We do. <laughs> the, the researchers <laughs> okay. came back. The super spies. Oh, hey, you know what? We've got to. We got to go. Uh, we're uh, fresh up to our time allotment for this segment. And we'll get to the <laughs> so phone well line. said. Oh, and look at the phone lines are oh, jammed right now. Great. So we'll be along to you folks very shortly here with Charlie Dobbin on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, let's go to the phone lines and say hi to Bob, maybe just around the corner here mm. in Toronto. Hi, good morning, Bob. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. How are you? Welcome to the uh, prelude of winter, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Long underwear. <laughs> well, it could be 65 on Christmas. Who knows? <laughs> you never know. Uh, my question is Dusty Miller, the fern type. Uh, I've had it for a few years on and off. I buy them in the spring. They don't seem to winter over, but I've been reading that some of them are perennial and some of them are annual, but the fall, they seem to really thrive. I have some facing north. Uh, in front of the house, some in the backyard facing south. The one in the south seemed to winter over, the others don't. So is there such a thing as a perennial and annual on that? Well, it's interesting. We have, There's various plants out there that we refer to as tender perennials or you know, hardy annuals almost. So what you've got going on there, Dusty Miller, if we have a mild winter, mild temperature-wise winter, and if we have consistent snow or we insulate the, the crown of the plant with mulch, leaves, soil, anything like that for the winter, Dusty Miller will often survive. The root will survive uh, over the winter and then the plant will grow back in the spring. But normal winters with no um, attention paid to protection. Most Dusty Millers uh, receive too much cold and will die. Oh, 
All right. Okay, one one last question. If you dry it, can you smoke it? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> okay, thanks for your time. It turned out to be a rusty miller or whatever. Yeah, thanks very much, Bob. Uh, oh, hey, a job for Frankie. Reaching nice. for the bell. First Welcome. time caller, Eleanor, on the line from St. Kitts, St. Catharines. Good morning, Eleanor. Oh, good morning. Um, how are you today? Hey, pretty good, thanks. Is it good? I have a butterfly bush, and I just want Charlie to tell me when we can cut it back. Is it uh, a problem right now, the size of it? Oh, is it over top of a walkway or anything important? Oh, no, no, no. It's all by itself. It's fine where it is. I, it's um, very uh, sorry, wispy. <laughs> wispy. Well, you know what? If... I mean, unless it's really ugly or a problem, I like to leave them for the winter. Oh, okay. There's no question that in the spring, the whole thing will be all crispy and brown. But as spring progresses, you'll see where the green growth comes from. And that will depend on what kind of winter we have. Yeah. Sometimes the butterfly bushes die right down to ground level and you have to cut them all down in the spring. And then a whole new plant grows up basically from the, the soil level. And some springs, you know, it's still alive the bottom two feet. So it's just a question of what kind of winter we have. Oh, okay. What about Rosa Sharon? Charlie? Same thing. I would do. I would always trim that in the spring because, again, you can see the form of the plant because the leaves have dropped. Um, and do whatever you want in the spring. If you want to cut it down by as much as a third, you can do that. Okay. Thank you very much. And you two have a good weekend. Thank, well, thank you. you. Stay safe. Yeah, of you course, bet. Of course. You too. You okay. Uh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to flip to... Um, our emails just for a couple oh, of moments that's here. That's fine. And the first two are sort of connected, mm-hmm. and I'll kind of give you a little synopsis. Synopsis. Yes. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> the Coles <laughs> Notes version. <laughs> this is <laughs> from Cheryl, uh, who says, uh, "Hi, Charlie and Frank." Uh, and oh, a note. Sending two separate emails because I had two questions, I know. Cheryl. Thanks, At our Cheryl. place in Wasaga Beach, we have a spare lot that, when Mom and Dad were around, was a reasonably well-manicured lawn. Unfortunately, now the trees on the lot are taller. We have not topped up soil for several years, and the grass is more moss and weeds. What's the best way to tackle restoring? Do we have to remove the moss? And she adds... Um, a little note at the bottom here uh, says, P.S., I think everyone would benefit from a show that just talks about <laughs> taking care of your lawn and various problems. And now we connect up that second uh, email from Mary Hunt in Pickering. Hi, Charlie. Could you help me out? I live in a townhouse. Not too much grass, but what I have is looking sad. Not growing much, but starting to look brown in spite of a watering system. Some weeds, not a lot. Is there weed and feed that might help? Um, I also have a problem with blue fescue. Yeah, the blue fescue is a little perennial yeah. uh, ornamental grass okay. that would be in a garden rather than part of a lawn. And she says, uh, <laughs> some are now looking brown. Should I be now cutting them back? If so, how far? Right. Anyway, Mary in Pickering sends that to you. All right. So thank you, both of you, for your questions about ground cover, really, is yeah. what we're talking about here. So uh, talking uh, to Cheryl with the empty lot in Wasaga Beach, which is neglected, and now mossy and weedy. Think about just like, like think about this for a second. The reason moss has grown on that lot is because the trees, as you point out, have gotten bigger, there's more shade on the lot, and moss will thrive in the environment that it loves. So moss loves a moist, shady location mm-hmm. that where that moss is growing naturally and normally, it must be just that moist, must be the low part of the lot and it's very shady. So you go and eliminate that moss. What are you going to replace it with? Like it, 
I'd let grow what wants to grow there. If it's truly just an empty lot that you're not truly using for anything in particular. If you, uh, otherwise, I mean, obviously more sun, do whatever you need to do to open up uh, the tree canopy, uh, l- uh, limbing up trees or thinning trees, whatever the case may be. More sun, you'll have less moss. You want it to look nice. Um, and it's an empty lot. Like I, I wouldn't go to all the trouble of trying to remove every weed probably, but certainly top dress and overseed. Top dress means add some topsoil, whatever kind of lawn topsoil you want to get a hold of, whether it's a truckload that dumps and then you rake it all out or you hire somebody to help you. But all lawns need half an inch minimum of topsoil, either spring or fall every year. So that would help a lot. Uh, You know, even in your case, you know, half an inch, three quarters of an inch of fresh soil raked all across the surface, which would also fill in some of the holes for you, overseed. Choose a seed blend. And this, you know, it's obviously both Mary and um, Cheryl can benefit from this top dressing and overseeding. And so many of us can. Even a good lawn has some thin areas, some bare patches, you know, whether it's the dog peeing or the raccoons digging up the grubs. There's there's always something going on in our lawn. So yeah. top dress Good quality topsoil, overseed, good quality seed blend, and there's different seeds for different environments. Yeah. We've got full sun grass seed, we've got shady grass seed, we've got high traffic. So a little bit of research without hurt at all. Well, yeah, and so yeah. it's not even that much research. It's do a little bit of an analysis on your well, site. Yeah. So yeah. recognize what your site needs, order up the topsoil, that's pretty straightforward, get that delivered. And when it comes to the seed, you know, go to a quality garden center or whatever, you know, home yeah. store you like, but know what your environment is by that blend that's going to full grow in your circumstances. Follow the instructions on the bag. You pretend you're feeding the chickens, not on a windy day, of course, because it'll all blow, and a light raking afterwards. Even now, you could do the, this top dressing and overseeding. I know it's towards the end of October. I know it's chilling, <clears throat> getting cooler, but the seed will sit and wait until the conditions are right for it to grow. So you can do it now, and the seed will still be there in the spring unless you're on a very steep slope. So why not? I mean, if you can, yep. if you say, well, no, I don't, I'm tired of being out in my garden. I'm going to go watch Netflix for the next three months. That's an option too. And then do everything <laughs> yeah. I just said, but do it in the spring. But either way, lawns, all lawns. Remember, grass can't compete with weeds very well. That's why we call them weeds. They're very vigorous. Grass, not so much. Yeah. So don't let the weeds take over. Look after your grass and a healthy, happy, you know, full turf bed will not be a problem because no weed can get in there. So well, there you go. Don't give weeds a chance. A whole tutorial on <laughs> lawn care from Charlie Dobbin. And we're going to go back to the phone lines in just a couple of moments here. Say hi to uh, Vanessa out there in Brampton. You are listening to The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. So, Charlie, as promised, let's take a little trip out to Brampton. Say hi to Vanessa on the line. And I think garlic is the subject of the discussion here. Hi, good morning, Vanessa. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Ah, uh, yes, garlic. I have a corner of the garden that I always planted in. And this year, the garlic has decided to grow now. 
Mm-hmm. And it's about three inches above the soil. Mm. Do I ignore it? Yes. Talk to it or dig it up and start again? Oh, no, don't dig it up. You can talk to it, but do, bottom line is ignore it. Um, if you want to, depending on how, how exposed it is to wind and, and that sort of thing, you could pile a few leaves around those green, green stems. The garlic will not die, but energy has gone into making those green leaves. Right. So you want to, if possible, maintain those leaves all winter, but the chances of that happening is not good. They're likely just to turn yellow and shrivel up, and the plant will hunker down and go dormant again. Poor plants. The plants, the insects, they're so confused. It was 20-what degrees yeah. yesterday. <laughs> so, yes, and it just keeps growing and growing. Yeah. Well, they can't help it. Like They, they are responding to soil temperatures and air temperatures, but this I, cool, well, cool weather will shut everything down, which is, it, it will stop. It will go dormant again. Can I put mulch on top of it? Yes. Uh, uh, sort of, to- what we call that side dressing, kind of kick uh, some mulch um, towards from one side and kick it in from the other side. Even if the little tiny tops of the green is sticking up, don't pile it on top. But it'll be too just around it. Yeah, just around exactly. All right, thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks okay, for calling. Um, I hope that uh, Gala Polyakov is listening in because she sent a little email regarding garlic the same as subject. well. Yeah, uh, she has uh, garlic <clears throat> growing in the backyard. Planted a couple of years ago and recently noticed new green shoots starting to grow. Uh, so, yeah, I think answered basically that question. But she goes on and this note to say in the spring, what, if anything, should be done with the surviving green part that remained there during the winter? Right. So... <clears throat> I hope Gallia is listening. Yep. You're absolutely right. So there exactly is the answer. Don't worry about garlic that's growing right now. Let it grow. However, in the case of Gallia, it appears that she planted garlic a number of years ago, has never harvested it, and her intention and goal was to have bigger bulbs. And she right. thought if she left it in the ground longer, they would get bigger. It doesn't work like that. You can't leave garlic in the ground for more than one year. After a year, the, pl- the, the bulb will actually start to shrink as opposed to grow bigger. And you'll just get more green shoots and of course then in the summer you're going to get flowers early Mm -hmm. summer you're going to get flowers we call them scapes and when the little garlic flowers start to grow all the energy goes out of the bulb up into the flowers to make seeds and little tiny tiny garlic bulbs so here's what you got to do next watch for what's in there gallia next spring do not let the flowers grow as soon as you see little pigtails little curly green things cut them off and by mid-july usually Depends on the summer, but midsummer, uh, the leaves will start to turn yellow. And as soon as two thirds of the green leaves of your garlic are yellow, get out your digging fork and dig up your garlic and clear it out of the ground. Enjoy it, you know, dry it, yeah. enjoy it, and get ready to plant more in September. Do not try and leave it in the ground for multi years. It definitely wants one winter, but not multi winters. Okay. Right. This would be a good point, actually, to mention that you're running a little low on emails at home there. Yeah. So, Charlie, so maybe, uh, uh, you know, folks, we'd like to continue this to have emails, not only as a backup, because I think it's a wonderful feature that gives you a chance to do a little research and yeah, I have that a lot, sort of all thing. time on my hands. So, I really have nothing to do. So I, yeah, no. I look forward to doing a lot of research for these emails. Trust me. Oh, oh boy. I'm in trouble now. Uh, here's, Charlie, here's Charlie's email. C dot 
Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Okay, just to correct Frank slightly, um, I do have, uh, this is, a, we got, once we came live back to the yeah. studio, we stopped being so consistent with email. So we yeah. are actually working on emails that are a full five or more weeks yeah. old right so now. So what you need is new stuff. Yeah, basically. I need new stuff. And we will continue to go through the old stuff. And, you know, sometimes I just answer them personally, but I just, you know, like, literally just don't have that many hours They're, of my day. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Sharon in Hamilton saying, are they ever going to come to the yeah, Yes, exactly. we are. Right now, Sharon. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you, Frank and Charlie? Hey, Excellent. pretty good, thanks. Um, I have a question for you. I was growing some, I was growing some plants one day, and uh, some of them grow, grew, and some of them didn't. Why was that? Sorry, and where were the plants from? Um... Uh, Christine from Mental Health in Hamilton, she she brought some flower seeds, okay. and and we threw and we grew the we grew the flowers, right. and some of them grew oh, yeah. and some of them didn't because we had a lot of rain and right. the the rain um yeah the rain got rid of them but why oh. what why does that happen? Well, okay, so this is a great question, and this is very consistent with my and, uh, As students. you answer this question, maybe we'll ask uh, Sharon to kind of hang up, because we're having a problem with that phone line right now. Yeah, And just keep listening, uh, Sharon. <laughs> we'll have the answer for you right here from Charlie. Okay. So, yeah, so that is actually a great question, because this is one of the things that comes up at Durham College, where I teach horticulture, and over and over and over, I speak to students about how... Each species of plant is different, whether it's the light they need, the water they need, their optimal temperatures, the kind of soil they need, whether they can be in the, the wind or not, and, you know, all those different variables that the environment throws at nature. So your question, why did some plants make it and some plants didn't, is going to come back to what kind of plants they were. So very, very species-specific when it comes to optimization of growth. And I'm sure you mentioned that you had grown these from seeds. One thing people will sometimes do is keep the package of the seed package. And once the little seedlings are growing, keep that package just so you can maintain knowledge of the different plants and what their best conditions are. And if you can give them the conditions, great. And if you can't, so be it. And enjoy enjoy what does grow. Because at the end of the day, we, we want some success, right? We want something to yeah. grow. And it sounds like you had that. So congratulations. Good stuff. Okay. Heading to the east a little bit. Now, wait a minute. To the west. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dorchester, which is near you, London, Ontario. Oh, my you hometown. know everything. Yeah, gosh, uh, you're, you're Diane, like a walking. Nat- you're like a walking atlas. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm overdoing it. Michelin guide or something. <laughs> <laughs> Diane in Dor- uh, double D there. Diane in Dorchester. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Um, we had a uh, garden for the first time in 20 years. We mm-hmm. put it on the west side of our property, mm-hmm. just inside the uh, west fence. But we have a mulberry bush there, and we also have maple trees. Mm-hmm. And we had planted a lot of variety of uh, vegetables, um, half of which never came up at all, oh. even though we watered that, and it does get full sun. And uh, we had thought, well, that was an attempt, and maybe what we'll do is move our rhubarb over in there, and maybe it would be better. But... I watered the rhubarb. It was doing wonderful. We've had it for almost 20 years. I've been adding new uh, plants to it. And this year, for some reason, now all my rhubarb, I, I can't even see it 
uh, it's just died off. When I watered it, it was doing good, mm-hmm. and then we went away for a week, and I came back, nobody watered it, mm-hmm. and it was toast. So mm-hmm. when did you go away for the week? We went away in July. In July, right. Okay, so congratulations on reinstating a big garden after not doing it for 20 years. You and, uh, believe it or not, most of the population did that this spring, if they if they had the space to do, you know, grow some edibles and, you know, keep ourselves busy and out in nature. Anything that suddenly, unexpectedly didn't survive, in like the rhubarb, for example, I, my impulse would be to think that it's very likely that the root is still alive, but the plant went into what we would call early dormancy because it was under double stresses. Stress one, it had been transplanted, and stress two, July was super hot and super dry. And some, you know, maple trees, as an example, started to get red leaves because they just started to shut down early because the July heat was just that stressful, the drought and the heat. And then, of course, August was a bit in between, and then September it started to rain. Um, I was doing rain dances out at my place because we were desperate for rain, and I was obviously very successful because we've had an awful lot of rain through September and October. So I wouldn't worry about that rhubarb. Let us know. I think like you know where it is, or put some stakes out where you know it was, and keep an eye next spring. I think yeah, it will come I, back. I out. already did that, Charlie, yeah. but maybe I didn't explain myself. I didn't get it tra- uh, transplanted yet. Oh, it's in pots. But, but no. I was going to, and uh, but then it all died off. So oh. should I just wait till the spring? Should I cover it with some kind of manure where where I do have in between the stakes uh, to protect it over the winter? Or oh, and so- also, I've been told that you shouldn't fertilize um, uh, rhubarb. Correct. But it- yeah, it's a pretty vigorous plant, and and generally we don't uh, we don't fertilize it because it's just going to do a takeover. So this is the rhubarb that had been there for twenty years, didn't actually get moved. You just want it. No, to it hasn't it? been moved. Oh, Plus, okay. uh, within the last five years, I started um, adding more to it, right. and it was also doing good. At okay. we actually bought two new plants this summer, oh, yeah. and of course we know you never pull those the first year, and they were doing real good. Yeah. But now they're they're totally disappeared. Right, but again, pretty tough plant. I, 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 I cross my fingers and, and hope for the best. I think that rhubarb will all emerge next spring. Okay, so should I cover it with something to protect it over the winter? Nothing with not manure. If you've got just straight topsoil, yes, or bark mulch, like a finely ground mulch. Okay, something that's, that's good. Got, that traps air. Because when we okay. do that mulching for the winter, it's big, chunky. The chunkier material will have air pockets, and it's the okay. air that insulates. And okay. just be careful. It's not a, a soggy spot. Like, there's no, we're not ending up draining a lot of water to where that rhubarb is, because it will yeah. rot if it's too no, wet. No, it's within the uh, north side of a fence, and it's also... Uh, very sandy soil. Oh, perfect. Good okay, you. thank you so much for your advice. Call and, us next and I week. know, you know, we all should uh, clap for uh, you and Frank. You know, uh, <laughs> it's good to see that you guys are still going uh, and uh, keeping the rest of us amused. Thank well, that's great. well, I hope we're not just entertaining. <laughs> no, 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 and informative. <laughs> like you. you're a walking encyclopedia. She is. She with, really is. With my walking atlas sitting across from me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, have Diane. a good day. Bye bye. Stay okay. safe. Delight to have you on the show. Um, let's see. Oh, you know what? I, I want to mention we have a couple of lines open right now. So if you've been waiting for the perfect time to call, this is it. In uh, uh, Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And there in Waterloo is Nancy. Good morning, Nancy. Hi. 
Morning to both of you. Morning. This is something I never thought I'd ever, ever do. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you calling for the first Are, time? Is this your first yes, time? Yes, I am. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to the show. But it's something, and I know it'll be a simple answer, but I have a pink geranium plant mm-hmm. that has been fabulous. It has been mm-hmm. covered in blooms from June until right now, mm-hmm. and there are 15 blooms on it with three more buds. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I can keep it till next year by putting it in my garage because I don't have a space otherwise. But Is it in a pot right now or yes. the ground? pot. It's in a pot, and you don't have like a sunny window you could bring it in? No. Okay, well... Well, n- not really, like... Garages, I just find are a bit uh, um, tenuous. They it can work for sure, depending on whether your garage is insulated or not, depending on what kind of winter we have. If that plant, if your garage, the inside temperature of your garage goes below uh, minus two, minus three, the plant will probably die. As long as it hovers around zero and above, <clears throat> the plant will probably live. But you might have to do a little bit of watering on occasion, but not too much. So keep an eye on it. If it starts to get all shriveled and wrinkly looking, yeah. give it some water, but of course, just just enough to keep it firm and what we call turgid, so that it's not all wrinkled. But I, and I don't cover it with anything? No, I wouldn't. Okay, what garage? are you saying I could do if it's in my house? Well, see, I, I overwinter geraniums every year, and basically, I just clean them up, out, like they're outside right now, yes. blooming like crazy, yes. give them a you know, spray with some soap and some water, and yes. wash off the pot, and all right. do all that sort of thing. Bring them inside, and put them in a, the sunniest location I have. Okay. I know right away they're going to get some yellow leaves, because the light levels are lower indoors, all right. and this flowering is going to slow down for a, a number of weeks, but I just keep them cleaned up. I might even get out my pruners and bring them right down into a smaller plant, but there's still a green plant in a pot in my sunny location, and they'll start to grow again as the winter progresses, and then before we know it, the days are getting longer, and then your geranium's taking over your house again. So we'll take cuttings usually in February and make 20 more little baby geranium plants. <laughs> if you love it that much, why not? Sell them to your neighbors. Charlie, <laughs> should I maybe... Um cut some of the blooms off when I bring it in because it's it is pretty large. Can I cut them off? Or is that going to no. prevent the good going back into the roots? Oh, not at all. No, no, no. A, a lot of energy goes into bloom production. So if you do remove blooms, you're actually doing a good thing because you're you're allowing the energy to stay in the plant. Okay, because so, that's what I prefer to. Yeah. I, I want it more in the spring again. Yeah. Then, yeah. So just prune it so that it's a reasonable shape and a reasonable size to get it into your house. Sunny location. Now you are treating it like a house plant. No, right. no fertilizer and water when dry. Okay, no fertilizer. No fertilizer okay. till next March. Could I cut it right back that well, I don't have any Nancy, blooms in the next Nancy, week or yep, so? Yeah, you could. Nancy. Could I? Yep. <laughs> Nice, nice uh, fourteen question uh, uh, call. Yeah. But good for you being a first time uh, caller. Snuck, you snuck that in there, huh? patrolman. Proctor. I didn't even uh, think of it because I was talking about one subject. I know. Well, yeah, but it <laughs> it does connect. That reminds me of the time I went into the, the one of those checkup lines where yeah. it's you know one to eight items. Oh yeah. And I had about forty seven cans of cat food, but there was only like seven varieties. That's, yeah. And everybody was like, "Look, can I go?" It's only seven varieties. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we just still ask, forty-seven cans. We, we'll ask uh, other callers, uh, and I should have mentioned this off the top. We're hoping you stick to the one-question routine, okay? Otherwise, call early, yeah, call, call often. often. One, one question, question per, per call. Caller. That's right. Okay. Come on, Trump. now, Norm out there in Georgetown, very patient on the line. Hang in there, Norm. We're coming at you next here on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Norm in Georgetown. You're up. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Uh, It's not what I've got in the garden. It's what I want to put in it. I've got some hungry rabbits here, and they've ruined a couple of plants that I have. But last week, Charlie was talking to a lady, and in the conversation, it came that deer and rabbits wouldn't eat the plant. I didn't catch the name of the plant, but I wonder whether Charlie could remember it or not. Uh, Of course I can. Have you got a pencil ready? I sure have. All right. Start start printing the word (laughs) plant, P-L-A-N-T, as in plant. Yeah. Same word, skid, S-K-Y-D as in Dobbin. And another D as in Dobbin. So plant skid is how I pronounce it. It's actually uh, from Finland, I think, originally. It's completely organic. It is an animal repellent. It apparently repels all kinds of mammals. It was originally designed to repel elk. Then they learned that it works on deer. It works on all kinds rabbits, of rabbits and, and skunks yep. and raccoons. Well, I have some hungry rabbits here. So. <laughs> yeah. So what you do is you spray your plants. Of course, follow the instructions, but spray your plants. And they should be good for the entire winter. And it is a it's a, a dried blood product. So when you spray plants, you make the plants smell like a predator, something that eats rabbits. Uh. So the rabbit will not bite the plant. The rabbit will skedaddle away as soon as it smells that repellent. Are these red- readily available? Uh, Canadian Tire carries it. Okay, fine. Thank right. you. And I think the other Home Depots and everybody else. Let us else. know how you uh, come along with it. Yeah. Okay. And that second word was S-K-Y-B-B? Diaz and dog. D, okay. Yeah. And two yeah. of them, two Ds. Yeah. So, okay. and it's one word, plant skid. And I'm actually, you know, I keep talking about this product because it's highly recommended, but I'm going to be using it myself for the first time this fall because I have quite a few deer in my neighborhood. You should be charging them. I know. Uh, yeah. I'm, endorsement I'm, fee. I th- well, I think I need to do some little, yeah, <laughs> yeah. MP3 pull off. Maybe Carlos will help me <laughs> send it off and go, hello, people. Look what I'm doing for you. Thank you, Norm. Well, uh, thanks a million. Yeah. Okay, you thanks. Bet. Good luck. Bye-bye. For now. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, got time here before our next little yeah, break to say hi to Mary Ann in Toronto. Good morning, Mary Ann. Good morning. Morning. I hope you and en- oh, uh, good morning, Charlie and Frank. I hope you're keeping well. Yes, we, we are. And yourself. Uh, I have a question about um, sloppy leaves uh-huh. uh, from perennials. Uh-huh. Um, uh, they droop all over the place, like mm-hmm. from uh, lilies and hostas and peonies mm-hmm. and uh, bleeding hearts. Mm-hmm. Do you cut them or uh, Not. leave them? Okay. 
Very good question. Back in the old days, like when I went to university, when the dinosaurs were still roaming the earth, as my children say, um, the, we were taught that you want to clean out all, all that foliage in the fall. You right. don't want to leave it in the garden. It's a overwintering hotel for pests and problems and sometimes diseases. Right. However, the thinking has changed on this quite a lot. We now realize that if we just leave those leaves, number one, we don't have that any more pests in the spring. And all those leaves that are full of all kinds of good organic material and fertilizer and water that you gave those plants all summer goes back into the soil. So you have the advantage if you leave those messy looking leaves to allow them to decompose, which they will do over the winter and be disappeared entirely by the spring. If you're willing to look at that kind of wet Kleenex look for the next month or so in your garden. Well, I've, I've had, I've, done that last year mm-hmm. um but then i have to cut back the uh slimy peony stems in the spring well that's a good point i was going to mention i always always cut back my peonies in the fall okay and, and partly is because it is so susceptible to botrytis disease so when those slimy stems are allowed to, to just stay there um they can obviously contribute to fungal diseases but you have to be out there early spring to remove those slimy stems because the new sprouts come up so early and you need to clean it all up before the new growth starts so i clean up my peonies after the a first hard frost in the fall but i i don't know if i made a mistake i already cut down the uh, bleeding hearts because uh, they were bleeding all over the yeah place. that's it well sometimes things are just too ugly i mean it does it comes down to your sense of aesthetic really uh, um, so you know what you you if it just bugs you because it looks so ugly cut it down but if you if you're like me and you you just turn <laughs> turn your eyes away and you know have a take a break instead these things will very happily disappear on their own Thank well, you, thank you, Marianne. We have to move along yeah, now. Yeah, uh, I know. Because we're, it's a philosophical break, question, yeah, really. <laughs> our, uh, our next break is upon us, oh. and I'm just looking at a little note slid across to me from Charlie. It, she, it's her turn to buy breakfast, uh, and she's giving me you. the option here: <laughs> one slice of burnt toast and a glass of water. Jeez. I told you, I'm so full from my dinner last yeah. night. I just think we're going to not eat today, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back in a moment here on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, Charlie, we're going to St. Catharines again. There's Dana online. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hey, Dana. Good morning. Hi. Morning. Good morning. I'm calling about an agapanthus. Yes. Um, I think I'm, I don't know if I'm saying no, it right, right or not. No, agapanthus, yep. Okay. It was in a pot and I put it in my garden. Mm-hmm. And now I'm wondering how do I overwinter it? Do I have to dig it up? Yes. Yes, okay. it will die in the frost. And I know you live in the banana belt there, so <laughs> it is possible, but unlikely that it would survive even at your place. It's okay. a very tender, it's a tropical bulb. So I would be oh, digging okay. it up. I, um, honestly, I, I would dig it up and get it into a pot and just leave it in a pot all the time. It's this plant you can keep for many, many years. Your only challenge is it'll go outside into a, you know, on yeah. your deck or patio all summer. And then if you have, do you have a garage? 
Yes. Or even a cool basement? Because what this plant wants to do is go to sleep for the winter. It's happy to stay in a pot. Uh, it wants a 40 to 50 degrees, so that's what, 7 to 10 degrees Celsius winter. And it just wants to be left alone. You know, doesn't need light, just wants to have a, have a break for the winter. And then it'll start to grow again next spring. And you'll, again, sun and fertilizer and water, it'll all wake up and start to grow and hopefully flower. So would I dig it up now and just let the green die off? Well, probably what I would do, I guess it depends how big this whole plant is. Um, Yeah, you would really force it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably cool enough you could do that. Dig it all up, let the green die off. Try and maintain as much root as you can when you're doing this digging up and transplanting into a pot rather than just leaving it out on a newspaper the way we would with dahlias. I would leave the thing in a pot, get it into a pot out of the ground. Don't water it. Just let it sit in the pot. It will go dormant and then unheated, you know, cool basement or, um, you know, frost-free garage is what it needs for the winter. That would have to go in the garage then. Okay. All right. Okay. And do I cover it with newspaper or anything or just... Let it be. Just let it let it have a nice little rest. Oh, okay. All right. And then in April or May or... Sooner than that, actually, February, March. And you know what? We'll be talking about that as we get closer to that time of year where it's time to wake up all those dormant plants. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we have a long winter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, Dana. Thank you. Um, Thanks for calling. It's a lovely uh, plant. uh, Same same sort of situation here. uh, Email from Leslie Morgan in Brampton (laughs) sent you uh, four photos. Picked. Look like uh, pretty healthy looking plants, actually. But she says, I'm preparing to bring these plants in for the winter. Is there anything I need to do? The hibiscus is three years old, looks a bit lopsided. Should she prune it now? And do they need plant food at this time? Right. So that's probably the best question in this whole email. Thank you, Leslie. Writing to us from Brampton. Do they need plant food? Okay, everybody write this down somewhere on a big blackboard in your kitchen. So you're going to see this all winter. No feeding any plants at all for the winter unless they are actively growing. So at this time of year, what what grows actively? Well, our Christmas cactus are starting to look like they're ready to pop some flowers. So once, you know, that's something where we can do a very light, light fertilizing with things like Christmas cactus. But no, everything else, bringing hibiscus into the house it's lower light levels inside. What's going to happen when you bring in that hibiscus? Right away, a bunch of leaves are going to turn yellow and drop off. There's also a dracaena. She has two plants there. Both of them are need to be repotted. The pots are too small for the size of the plants. Repot now or wait till spring. But either way, they'd be much happier if they had bigger pots. Then they're going to be even bigger plants. So I hope uh, Leslie has room for them. And yes, you'll fertilize in the spring. And you can prune now. Um, I wouldn't do radical pruning now. I would do whatever just keep them clean and tidy, remove dead stuff, dead leaves, etc. By February or early March, get out your loppers and prune that hibiscus by at least a half and shape it at that time, and you should have beautiful flowers by this time next year. Okay. I'm only hoping and praying that Hannah in Caledon has a very short answer needed for her question. Uh, Well, probably not, actually. Well, let's give it a try and see what happens here. Hi, Hannah. Good morning. Uh, I have a question about gypsy moths. Mm-hmm. They uh, they attacked uh, not just my property, but most of the Caledon Central Ontario. Mm-hmm. I was not aware of um, of them, obviously, until they ate half of my 
uh, plants, yeah. not just plants, the birds, the monsters. Yeah, the trees, yeah. Trees and the evergreens. Yeah. And they lie the eggs. I try to remove them, but on the top of the 40 feet of evergreens, like pines, I cannot climb up up there. Right. So w what could be done to prevent the disaster next spring? So, you know what? <clears throat> I am going to just double check because I'm at this time of year, and you're right, it was quite the gypsy moth infestation that we had right across southern Ontario. So, no, it was a very, very big problem and very hard on the, the mm -hmm. those big old trees, etc. It is at this time of year, I believe, that you can be, if you can find them, collecting the eggs and destroying the eggs of the gypsy moth. So because we're right down to the end of the wire here on the show, I'm going to report back first thing right off the top next week on gypsy moth control and gypsy moth prevention Excellent for idea. next year. Because you remember, Frank, we haven't been to High Park in quite a while, yeah. but not, not this summer, but the summer before. So 2019, driving through High Park and the oak trees had no oh, leaves on them. That's right. In like June and well, July. Yeah. Because the gypsy moths had stripped all the leaves. So, and that's very hard on trees to have to grow two entire sets of leaves. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of energy. So we don't, you know, we don't want to encourage that. So let's talk gypsy moths, prevention, control next week. Very good. And a reminder that Charlie might like to get a little email or two from you folks. So it's c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N at mzmedia.com. And without that, we're fresh out of yeah, racetrack. Yeah, thank you, Frank. Wow, thank you. Uh, so you're looking forward to some dry toast and, and yeah, dry toast and water, water with huh? no ice. <laughs> they might charge <laughs> thank rice. Thank you. <laughs> so listen, you have a great week. Yeah, you too. Are you getting ready for a big Halloween party or anything? Uh, no. No. No, no kids, no nothing. I know. No. So we're practicing with a paddle, with because we're not oh, shut down where I live. Yeah. You know, the old pass, the chocolate bar is out too. We only have like three kids on the street, but still, we're going to practice for the three kids. Why not? Exactly. Uh, uh, it's a it's a fun holiday, and it seems like a no brainer. We're all wearing masks. Why not get dressed <laughs> for Halloween? Isn't that the point? <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Thank Couldn't you, do Charlie. Any of this without your help and Carlos. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.